0: Again, he gets the edge, and he brings the court by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first
1: time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the
2: bat. Head down the pitch, he drives, this could be it, he beats him off. The arm is in the air already, there's nothing quite like your first test
0: century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. He didn't
2: This is
3: Test
0: Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis.
1: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Stumps for this summer of cricket. It's great to be here with you. We haven't been kept too bored over the off-season. We've had the ashes to keep ourselves entertained, which has been fantastic. And fantastic that Australia have retained the Urn didn't quite win the Ashes series, but nonetheless, it leads us perfectly into what should be a great summer of cricket. Jordan Kanellis with you, taking the reins for this season, alongside me, seasoned veteran of the Stumps show, Bryce McGain.
2: Hello, Bryce. Hello, Jordan. It's great to be back and great to be joining up with you for this summer. Uh, it's going to be a, a ripping 25 weeks ahead of us. Uh, we're going to go through some plenty plenty of highs and Hopefully not too many lows in mm-hmm. terms of the Australian cricket team. As you mentioned, they retained the ashes and uh, had made a good fist of the world Cup. Didn't quite get over the line in the end, but uh, it's been a good winter of cricket. And now yeah. we, we come into the Australian summer, which uh, we're, we're both looking forward to.
1: Yeah, these these years in this four-year cycle, it's always nice because it, it carries you right through. There's no sort of dead zone in the middle, is there, in terms of Australian action?
2: No, there's not. Luckily, we've had a few weeks now to recover those sleep for all those people like me that were up in a <laughs> different time zone. Uh, And obviously watching the Ashes and every ball that got bowled there, uh, we've had a bit of respite from there. But uh, look, there's been plenty of cricket going on already. Here we are at, I guess... Uh, local cricket starts this this weekend and uh, this is the, the the first time certainly around uh, Victoria and South Australia is the first week of uh, Premier Cricket and all the local cricket but uh, there's been a fair bit happening uh, around the, with state cricket and domestic cricket already.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The one-day cup uh, getting underway over the last couple of weeks which has been nice. A slightly earlier start as well I think for for the one-day cup so we started sort of mid-ish November, uh, September um, or, you know, three weeks into September, which is good. So it kind of elongates the, the summer for us nicely and a different format as well with the one-day cup, which I quite like. Normally it was all, well, the last, what, five years it's been bunched up at the start of the summer and That's sort right. of gotten out of the way of, but now it's spread out. So we get a bit more variety for the domestic season.
2: Yeah, and I think it gives a bit more respect and a, a good opportunity for the players involved in it is to have it in, in blocks and, and in a series like this, they've played four games now. This now, they have a break from the, the one-day stuff. Mm. And, uh, and it's been great because it's been on the telly and there's been uh, plenty of coverage about it. So you can see in who are the domestic players that are in touch and in form. Thursday, we go straight into the Sheffield Shield for the guys. They they kick off their uh, long form of the game. And so all teams are playing there. So on Thursday, it's Victoria, South Australia, City Power, which will be a big game, of course. Big rivals uh, from uh, the, the two southern states, I suppose. Mm. Queensland and New South Wales. Thankfully, it's uh, that's up at the Gabba, and thankfully, it's New South Wales going up there. I remember as a player for Victoria, it was more often than us. The first round up at the Gabba, and we've spent the whole winter indoors practicing on hard wickets indoors, and we go to the Gabba, it's green, it's seaming, it's all sorts of issues up there. So thankfully, that's New South Wales handling that. But WA, uh, of course, will, will take on Tassie in the, in the one that um, is over in the West. So uh, look, they're all set uh, for the fixtures coming up, but it's been also a really big, um, big start to the season and we'll get actually, we'll get into that table of the, um, of the one day cup as well in a second, but the the girls cricket's been going uh, particularly well. There's been a couple of rounds also of the WNCL um, and, you know, more, more and more competitive and some records there. Australian women's crickets on fire at the moment, Uh, a little series with Sri Lanka as well. And, uh, and a world record score for Alyssa Healy um, was incredibly impressive. So, look there's been that much cricket and here we are day 1
1: we are i know i thought uh what we're we going to talk about day 1 there's no test but who cares about the test for the moment i mean that that's going to come and take the the mantle later in november but you've got so much cricket going on now and there's always um there's always great intrigue around the domestic stuff and ov- obviously the women's too but domestic men's because it's all in the lead up to the summer and we know that there was even though he retained the urn with the ashes there is so much to come out from that and you know, we retain the ashes with probably one of the the shakiest teams that we've had in a long time. And there's maybe two spots out of the 11 who are absolutely secure and still so much to play for heading into this summer.
2: Well, one of those certainly Jordan is Steve Smith. What a series. Uh, Mm. And and what a story to tell. Uh, It'll be known as that, uh, that 2019 ashes series. It was Steve Smith's; Like he was unbelievable. He getting knocked out and concussion, delayed concussion. And, uh, And then coming back, missing a test, but then coming back and still batting superbly, like he was just, he was just a class above. And I don't think I've ever experienced this at any stage uh, of 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 in my lifetime. Of all the international players, they are the uber elite. They are absolutely outstanding. All the batters are uh, are incredible. But then there's one that's just standing right above the the rest. You know, we, we we might say, well, Virat Kohli's up there as well, but Steve Smith is performing at a at a level um, that's above any other at international cricket at the moment. It's unbelievable to watch.
1: Yeah, it's probably, uh, from from me anyway, uh, I think it was the best series that I've seen a single player play out of, I mean, you think back to the Mitchell Johnson 2013-14, there was plenty before that with Ricky Ponting, but yep. I, reckon, I reckon this one... And I reckon had he not been concussed in the middle, he would have been on track to score a century in every innings. Had he not, he might have you know, gone on to do that. And he still got pretty close from the innings he did play. But I
2: reckon that's the single best series that I've seen from an individual player. Just completely dominant. And he, he just dominated the opposition and they had no plan to stop him. The commentators were yeah. all talking about it. Well, <laughs> how do we stop him now? We can't do this. And they'll bowl there and he works the ball wherever he wants. And finally, I think it might have been in the last test, he got caught at that leg slip. Yeah. Finally, at the very <laughs> end, after five tests, and he played four of them. But uh, you know, eventually, they they he, he hit a catch there, and he said, "Well, if that's the case," and he's he's so relaxed in the way he goes on. But he his point was, "Well, I've had it there for four tests. Eventually, I got caught there." But you know, oh well, I'll take the runs he scored up until mm-hmm. that point. So he's he's unbelievable. The way he's come back uh, into international cricket, um, there's no doubt. Uh, through going through what he has done and the incredible lows, um, you know, he just has this new outlook on, on cricket and fun and enjoyment about the way he's going about it. And uh, he, his mental health is at a, at a very strong point. I know he struggled and it's very public the yeah. way he struggled after that, but uh, there's no doubt having gone through that, it's made him uh, an incredibly strong person mentally. And uh, and that's playing off in his cricket. Mm.
1: Fun and enjoy- enjoyable, but also aggressive as well, which, which I think he came out, in that series looking like he wanted to catch up from the time that he'd, he'd missed out on and almost, and he did, he got, got to the, uh, to the leading run score for the 2019 calendar year. It felt like he was trying to play that way as well on top of having fun and all that, but he looked like he was making up
2: for lost time. There's no doubt about that. And he, he looked refreshed. Uh, yeah. he looks so refreshed about the way he went about it. And, uh, Look, Australian cricket desperately need a, a hero like that and he's he certainly leading from the front. Dave Warner was interesting, wasn't he? He was just all at sea. Yeah. Chris broad round the wicket and uh he he really battled his way through and at the top order this well, it's wide open now for the Test Series in Australia because we, we fundamentally it, it's up to the openers. We know that mm. Dave Warner has an amazing record in Australia, but yeah, you know, maybe, maybe the selectors might look for someone else and maybe uh with, with with other players around, this is a great opportunity domestically for players to put their um, name up in these early Shield games.
1: Absolutely. I was expecting the selectors to to have dropped Dave Warner about halfway through the Ashes series. I thought you can't keep a man like that in that sort of form in the team because you, you lose your openers and our openers weren't performing that well no matter who, were, who we had in, in the Ashes. And that puts a lot of pressure on the middle order. But I reckon what you said is right. With David Warner, his record in Australia is impeccable, and that's why I think he'll he'll will start uh, the tests as the opener. But who knows where he's at? Because it's not just I don't think it was just um, his sort of poor uh, his poor record on foreign soil in England that hampered him in, in in the Ashes. It was probably a whole a whole host of things from coming back from the bands and everything that happened with um, with the sandpaper gate. No doubt. But now. Now there's, I reckon he might be at a crossroads heading into into this summer, but his record in Australia helps him.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's no doubt about it. Laba Shame was a highlight as well. Him coming in to replace Steve Smith, but then holding yeah. his spot. Uh, you know, scoring all those fifties in a row. Do you lock
1: him down at number three now?
2: I think he has. I think he has in difficult circumstances over there in England with the moving ball and the the Dukes ball swinging around and Mm -hmm. he played it exceptionally well. So I think he does get his opportunity. First test at the Gabba. uh, He gets that opportunity, his home ground in Australia, uh, playing for Queensland, of course, as he does. So look, I think think he'll hold down that spot Mm -hmm. and and credit to him because he's done it through hard work and it probably looked like unlikely that he'd get an opportunity but he took it and grabbed it with both hands and credit to him.
1: If you can play well in England, does that automatically mean you'll play well in Australia?
2: It, it generally does translate that well because you've got to be technically good over there. You've got to be playing the ball late mm. and uh, and you've got to play, probably play the ball a bit square. In Australia, the ball comes on a bit and you can really hit down the line and play with a full face of the bat. But a lot of the players in England, and I think one of the players that did it exceptionally well when Australia just had a lot of hard, hitters at the ball was uh, Chris Rogers. Like he played so late, but his drives were always square because he played behind his pad. He let the ball really come under his eyes and play it late. And that he had enormous success over there, obviously with uh, the best part of 15 years of a, a county expertise that he had, you know, he scored uh, I, I think it was in excess of 90 hundreds, first class hundreds. And most of those were over in England and he did it for Australia as well. So, they're the the ones that are successful. So if you're doing it over there, when the ball comes onto the bat, it it certainly is a lot easier in Australia as well.
1: What have you made of the uh, the Australian women's team? We uh, swept aside the West Indies in that series, and then we've uh, pretty much done the same against Sri Lanka and had some uh, fantastic scores to go along with it. Alyssa Healy, we talk about Steve Smith for the men's. Alyssa Healy is pro- proving the same, I think, for the women's. Got herself the uh, the world record for T20 scores.
2: Yeah, 148 off 61 balls at the top of the order. And uh, and she's just playing to her strength. She's got some genuine power and uh, really going after the attack. I think Sri Lanka, they they'll just outgunned, really. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it is good to see in the women's game that the... the, the the lesser countries, I suppose, developing and getting the opportunity, they need to know where they are against the very best. But mm-hmm. Australia just seem to be going from strength to strength. Strength to strength. They're an absolute powerhouse uh, in international cricket at the moment. Yeah,
1: and building great depth too. There's a whole host of players who aren't in the team at the moment who are waiting in the wings for their
2: opportunity. Yeah, and there's there's no doubt that's come from a really strong WBBL program. In the first year, they had the WBBL. Uh, w- w- was good, and it was great to see the opportunity for them. But then the next year, and once the girls had gone professional, that they upped the run rate by one, point, uh, one, point, or one and a half runs, uh, extra and over. So the strength in the players, the way they played, they're, they're putting so much time into their game and we're seeing the benefits of that straight away and we see all these professional girls out there now representing Australia and they are completely dominant.
1: So this is a situation where 2020 cricket really benefits... Uh, the longer forms it works that way in, in women's cricket, doesn't yeah,
2: it? Well it certainly does and uh well the girls really only play one day cricket and yeah and also T twenty. They play they do play one a one off test match against yep. England, but that's the only red ball type of cricket they play. It is all one day cricket and I, I think it suits the game there. I think it packages it up really nicely. I, I think uh, and girls' cricket continues to go to strength to strength around Australia um, at the domestic level with the WBBL, but also uh, down at, uh, at club level as well. There's more and more girls aspiring to be, uh, you know, players at the highest level and uh and that's terrific and it's yeah. great that uh, Cricket Australia right behind that in allowing the girls to be professional at the top end and uh and opening the doors for many more of them to play underneath we touched
1: briefly on the on the domestic season at the start but um if we look a little bit deeper into the the Marsh One Day Cup um the Vicks haven't been uh, going all that well they're two and two they've had to get themselves back steady but i think they've provided us with the two highlights so far of of the one-day cup with that phenomenal win against Tasmania about two weeks ago now and then Aaron Finch's individual performance
2: uh, with 188 not out a few days ago. Well, extraordinary cricket. Victoria, you mentioned the first one against Tasmania. Uh, Victoria were all done and dusted, I suppose. Uh, Tassie were chasing the the, the yeah. bonus point, and it all went pear shaped for them. They they wrapped up the innings. Uh, incredible collapse by by Tasmania, and it really goes to show. And it certainly was the case when I was at Victoria as well. The the win from anywhere mentality was just we can keep doing this, we can keep applying. Uh, it's not only pressure, but allowing their skills to shine and have that belief that anything can happen. Certainly happened then, and. Uh, and then also backing up with uh with Victoria and the innings by Aaron Finch we know he's the Australian one- day captain so yes he can play but 188 uh not out was uh, absolutely outstanding so Victoria have put in some highlights but in terms of the table there Queensland are on top uh yep. Queensland did Beat them in. There was a double header down here over the the weekend and early in the week. uh, Queensland beat them in the first one, but then Victoria bouncing back. So Queensland on top there. They've won three of their four games, as have Western Australia. And Western Australia look all power. They batting lineup, boy oh boy, they're batting full (laughs) tilt all the way down to nine, and and then a couple of bowlers can whack them at the end as well. So they look incredibly powerful. South Australia have won uh, two of their their four games, as have Victoria and New South Wales and Tassie uh, round up the bottom. There with one each out of their four games, but uh, look, it's poised for the next round. There, it's great to see that it has started this way. I love the format. I love the the, the four games now, and then yeah. they get into the. Oh, reckon that works. Yeah, and it'll work well when we see the second phase of it as well. Um, factored into uh, in a few weeks time, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's the right way to go. And also gives those players a a greater opportunity to line themselves up for one day cricket. When it's all done at the start of the year, they never really got the opportunity um, to be picked for Australia. There'd be a one day game coming for Australia and they wouldn't have played domestic one day cricket for three months. Mm -hmm. So there was no form to really show for it. So I like how it's going it's been great. Well, well, um Well, it's been great that it's been on the telly and we can watch and see who's doing well.
1: That's the voice of Bryce McGain, Jordan Canellis with you. Coming up in the show, we'll speak to young Victorian batsman Will Pukowski uh, after this. After that will be Mike Yardy, who is an English uh, batting coach who's come down to uh, help take the reins of the batsman at New South Wales. And then later on, we'll also touch, even though it's a few months away, on the Big Bash because there was some huge news throughout the week with one of the team's And one of probably the biggest signings ever in the Big Bash. All that on the way from Stumps today. For the next hour, Jordan Kanellis and Bryce McGain. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update
2: for everything Everything cricket.
1: Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Kanellis with you. Bryce McGain alongside me getting ready for a big summer of cricket. We'll be here with you every weekend right throughout the summer. First guests for the show for this summer and a great one as well. It's good to have him on. He is one of the brightest young talents in Australian cricket at the moment, but I'm sure for now just concentrating on continuing to cement his spot for the Victorians and making runs uh, down in Victoria. I speak of 21-year-old Will Pukowski who joins us on the show. Will, it's good to have you on. How are you?
2: Good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to uh, have you on a Saturday afternoon, which is, it begs an interesting question. Uh, why aren't you out there making runs for Melbourne? <laughs>
0: Uh, I actually had a little bit of surgery yesterday, so I've uh, missed this game and just trying to get ready for the Shield game on Thursday.
2: Terrific. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Um, hopefully everything's okay. It seems like a short-term situation. Yeah, very
0: short-term. I just needed to get something cleared up for a little bit, so this was sort of the only break in the schedule where I thought I could get it done in season, so just get that done. I'll be ready and raring to go training on Monday, so I'm, I'm all good. It was just a little precautionary thing.
2: Well, that's good to hear. We're glad you're going to be over it pretty quickly. Uh, the cricket season comes around pretty quickly. And before we've known it, well, there's been a whole bunch of uh, one-day games for Victoria. How's the feeling in the camp? And uh, and second to that, um, it, your form and, and how you're feeling hitting the ball?
0: Yeah, uh, obviously two and two from the one days at the start of the year. So probably haven't played our best cricket yet, but um, we got back to winning ways in the last one day. Obviously, Finch's innings was pretty impressive and um, Sam in... Marcus Harris, Sammy Harper, that is, Marcus Harris got some runs as well. So uh, we're feeling pretty confident going into the Shield, which is good. And then, yeah, hopefully he can uh, continue that winning form.
2: Terrific. What did you learn from uh, Aaron Finch's innings? Uh, obviously great to see him whacking them around and putting them in the, in the stands and hitting the glass and all those type of things at, at the Junction Oval. But what did you learn from his batting craft in scoring 180 for the Vicks?
0: Uh, I think it was just sort of trusting your own game. To be honest, like I, I'm probably not going to ever bat like Finchie. I wish I could hit him as as well and as hard as he does. But, Don't we uh, all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just in terms of he just stuck to what stuck to what he knows, and obviously to um make 190 odd is a fair effort in any form of the game, let alone a 50 over match. And um yeah, it was just one of those innings which sort of proved wise, wise Australian captain.
1: Will, you played three of the four matches so far in this uh, first phase of the One Day Cup. You, fair to say you might have struggled a little bit. First match was alright, but how did you come away assessing your own performance from the three matches you played?
0: Yeah, obviously um, probably didn't get the runs I would have liked, but uh, I feel like I've been hitting the ball really well and everything's moving pretty well, so cricket's one of those sports where you can sort of miss out a few times, but um, yeah, I'm sort of feeling like a a good score is just around the corner. Everything's yeah going in the right direction, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully, it's just a matter of time.
2: So, do you know at this early stage, heading into next Thursday's Sheffield Shield game, Victoria taking on South Australia at the Junction Oval? Uh, do you know at this stage what the, the the situation is with the team lineup, the squad, etc., and and what your role might be within that?
0: Uh, I don't know the no, I don't know the ins and outs of what, of what the squad will. Will be, but we've got most most guys available, which is pretty good. Um, I think sort of most of the discussions around sort of my role were, were around sort of probably batting three again this year. So yep. I like batting there and sort of try and um, yeah bat for long periods as much as I can. So I think that'll happen time,
2: unless something changes in the next few days. Well, we certainly love seeing you bat there because uh, it's it's been a. a, a well, a, a terrific spot where you can really set the tempo of the game. Is that the part that you like about being in there at number three? That there's every chance you could be in there second ball of the innings, but there's also uh, the, the chance to, as you say, bat long periods of time.
0: Yeah, I just I've always done it sort of growing up, and especially in the longer form of the game, as you said, you, you're open to um, you're open to a few different sort of scenarios, which um, I quite enjoy to be honest. I like the challenge of it, and yeah, it's good because usually. Um, Oh, they like to say the gutsy above from about at the top, so I try and use it as a bit of an ego thing as well to say oh, I'll do the job up there and then let sort of the more powerful folks in sort of Maxwell Finch and probably Hanson come in come in behind me. But yeah, hopefully can build a bit of a foundation with whoever's opening be Harry and someone else, I'd assume, maybe Deany and then yeah, work it out from there.
2: Well, there's no doubt will it pay place to your strength, so uh, long may that continue for the Vicks but I I guess the, the the challenge with the the Victorian team is probably the depth of bowling that is in that lineup. Like you've faced them all in the nets and we might be able to get, you might be able to give us the insight as to who might get the night. Who are the hardest to face in there at the moment? Because there's a plethora of quicks that can play in this first shield game.
0: Yeah, there are a few options, aren't there? Um it's actually hard to pick one. they sort of the good thing about our attack is they're all good in different ways. They'll offer something different. So blend very well together and um, I've got no idea what the combination will be and whether sort of workloads come into it as well because a couple are coming off an Ashes series and also leading into a potential test summer. So a lot of things I think will be taken into consideration when, when picking the final 11. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough one because there's um, yeah, a lot of options available and they're all, as I said, pretty good in different ways.
1: Well, leading into the summer, how uh, how much importance have you built around this this uh, Sheffield Shield season in, in your mind? How crucial is, is this upcoming phase of the next few months uh, for you, do you think, in your in your career?
0: Um, oh, I don't know if it's any different to normal, to be honest. It's all just um, I try and take it pretty, I guess, lightheartedly is not the right word, but in terms of just trying to enjoy, enjoy it as much as I can. And All you can really do is control the next game or control the next ball, so there's no point worrying too much about it so we'll take it as the um first game of the season against the south australians and then see how we go from there but if we're winning games and, and people are performing it's generally pretty good for everyone i think
2: well you're right in the mix uh leading up into the ashes series uh, obviously a lot of uh comment in uh and, and suggesting that you could be as part of that squad and we're look, looking very likely as well are they in touch with you, uh, the the Australian selectors, to um, let you know h- how you are tracking and what they are thinking of you, or is that is that just at arm's reach um, leading up to that series?
0: Um, uh, whilst we're over there in England, you're obviously, in I guess not conversations about selection necessarily, but obviously selectors are around. So you're sort of just talking talking to them about general stuff and. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where either way, I thought it was probably going to be a win-win for me. Like It had been an awesome experience on the A Tour anyway. And then if I was selected in the Ashes squad, that would have been pretty incredible. But it was also good to get home and get back around the big boys. And, yeah, it's one of those things where if you're selected, they'll obviously tell you. But it's not a constant dialogue, I wouldn't say. It's just I think most people generally have a fair idea with where they're at and yeah so it's just sort of one of those things where if you're going well you know you're in the mix and you're not making runs you probably have to try and make some runs yeah. and then you'll get yourself back in the mix so it's um yeah it can sometimes probably be made out to be a bit more complicated than it actually is
2: yeah you've got a really good simple and clear approach i think it's uh it's the way to go how did you find playing over there in england with australia eh?
0: Yeah, it was brilliant. It was um, yeah, a great experience. It was sort of my first extended cricket tour overseas. So it was um, pretty steep learning curve, but there, it was a great bunch of guys and we um, played some pretty good cricket over there, which always helped. So it was good when you're playing sort of winning competitive cricket and um, the experience at the, at the camp with the Aussies and the Aussie boys was, was pretty special as well. It was a great week to to get around the main group and see what it's sort of like at that next level and just get that exposure and and know know what it takes, I guess, to um, yeah, take that next step up.
2: So, did you find the conditions a, a whole lot different to what you'd experienced before? Was it as traditional as they say that oh, they were green seamers and uh, and the ball was hooping round corners? Uh, was it like that, or was it, it was it different to what you expected?
0: Um, to be honest, like the juke ball was used a bit here in the Shield cricket, so that wasn't too much of a surprise, I guess. It was mm-hmm. probably more the the pace of the pitches I found quite different. Like was yeah. A lot of my games, sort of, because I don't really have that, that power element, is sort of based on timing. And, and over here, it's probably a bit easier just because the ball comes on a little bit more. So I find it a bit easier to sort of, I guess, stroke through the line of the ball. Whereas in England, it is a bit slower and the wickets aren't as hard. They're sort of more, I guess, clay. Mate, or feel like they're a bit more clay than um, sort of the, the solid dirt, I guess, that we have here. So that was probably the main difference for me. Um, you sort of have to adapt a bit, especially in sort of the white ball format I found uh you were sort of hitting a lot more square of the wicket stuff rather than back down past the bowler, which i sort of try and base my game on as much as I can. So yeah, it was probably more the pitch than the than the juke ball that I found difficult-ish to adapt to but yeah it was, it was a good challenge and obviously a good learning experience going forward.
1: How do you go about um, switching between the, the red ball and the white ball you'll have to do a bit of it this summer as well with the change in format with the one-day cup are you are you familiar now with with having to change your game almost every weekend now?
0: Yeah I think so yeah you just sort of get used to it obviously I've probably only had to do it at district level so far because I haven't played much white ball cricket for Victoria but um, if I do play in, in the one days, it's probably just one of those things of just trying to learn sort of what your role is in one day cricket. So that's probably going to be more the bigger bigger challenge, I think, that, yeah, I'm still sort of am only 21, so I guess I've got a bit of time to work it out, but the quicker you can do it, the better, and yeah, then you can contribute to the team, and yeah, hopefully make help the team win.
2: Is Big Bash on your horizon? Is that something you want to evolve your game to?
0: Uh, Yeah, maybe down the track. It won't be this summer, but um, I'm hoping that down the track it's something that that I'll look into. But I've always sort of been pretty focused on the longer form and trying to, I guess, hone my craft as much as I can in that. And then, um, yeah, see how that 2020 stuff goes. But I'll um, play in the uh, Super Slam for Melbourne throughout the year, which will be good fun in the 2020s. And then... Yeah, watch the um, watch the blokes that hit it a bit harder on the TV. I think for this mm-hmm. summer.
2: So, um, Puggy, has that been your choice uh, about not playing big bash and just concentrating and getting that that as you're sort of talking about the foundation aspect to your game?
0: Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of both. It's sort of been I've been in constant discussions with with people I trust at Pre Victoria and then also sort of just in my in my circles and mm-hmm. um, we all seem to have the same view on it that. For the moment, I'm probably not going to gain that much from being in, in a big bash sort of set up, but I can sort of use that period to keep working on my on my longer form stuff and keep trying to yeah learn my craft as much as I can because I'm sort of still pretty inexperienced, I feel. So, yeah, try and focus on that stuff and then let the other stuff sort of come naturally later, I think.
1: Do you reckon that's the best way to go about it for, for people your age and even younger?
0: Uh, well, I... Yeah, I can't really speak for other people, but I, I feel like I'm making a, a good decision for myself in doing it, so um, I guess it depends where your passions lie as well, like other other players will be more white ball dominant and want to get involved in that as quickly as they can, and others will be more red ball dominant, but if you're sort of, um, I don't know, I guess good at both, then that's that's handy, but yeah, I've just sort of seen it as the best pathway for me, and um, I guess probably that's the easiest way to go about it. If you are a young player, try and work out what the most pathways for you, and then then stick to it.
1: How are you going so far, Will, with um, with everything around the, the concussion and, and the mental health, which has been widely pubis- publicised? Where are you at with that now, heading into this domestic season?
0: Yeah, I'm going well. Everything's tracking in the right direction, which is good. Sort of, um, again, I've got sort of that that circle of people that I trust and and have helping me. And um, yeah, everything's going really well on that front. So it's obviously a, I guess, constant thing that you're working on and trying to get better at and trying to improve. But yeah, things are definitely heading in the right direction. And I sort of look back 12 months and sort of see how far I've come in, in that space. And yeah, things are looking pretty good. So I'm excited for the summer ahead.
1: Do you, is there, is there an end goal inside or is this a, is this just going to be a continual thing now for you through your career?
0: Um, oh, I don't know if there's if there's a possibility of an end goal. To be honest, it's probably about it's a day by day management thing and trying to get better at, better at dealing with different things. And um, yeah, the more I can do that, I guess that that's all I can really do. Just try and wake up every day and try and try and be a bit better than you were the last day. So, yeah, I don't know if there's an end goal. So I've never been one for sort of long term goals. It's probably more just about trying to work out what I'm going to do in the next five minutes rather than the next five years. I think.
1: Brilliant stuff, Will. How are you? Uh, how's the team faring then? Just give us an overall synopsis of the first uh, Sheffield Shield match for next week. What are you uh,
0: expecting from yourself? Uh yeah. Well, hopefully, just get, yeah, get out there and, and get a few runs. And um, we've had a pretty good record against South Australia in the last few years, so hopefully keep that going. I think both teams are going to be pretty close to full strength, which will be good. So, yeah, it should be a good game down at the Junction. Hopefully, as a battle, the wickets nice and flat, and yeah, we can we can get the six
2: points to, to start the season. Well, you say is uh, you hope the wicket's nice and flat. Where do you prefer to play in terms of the wicket and the conditions? Obviously, everyone loves to play at the MCG, so I get that in terms of junction oval versus MCG. But in terms of the conditions, that best suit uh, well, for you to make runs? Uh,
0: I actually prefer the junction, to be honest. I think it's got more of a, a cricketing feel to it. The G sometimes can be a bit... I don't know it feels a bit hollow just with a hundred thousand seats there and not that many people there for shield games, <laughs> to be honest, whereas the the junction's got sort of a nice feel to it, and even if there's only sort of five hundred to a thousand people there, it's got that cricket ground vibe, i guess, so yeah, um I really enjoy playing at the junction uh, the g's obviously good because it's the m c g but yeah, it can be quite um quite hollow with with no one now and not many people there.
1: Have you found the Junction Oval is uh, is more of an uh, attractive prospect for fans to go to? Do you feel like more fans are there uh, at the Junction than, than what would turn up at the G?
0: Um, well, it certainly seems that way, but it's hard to sort of tell at the G because if, even at sort of footy games where there's about 20,000 there, you feel like there's no one there. So mm-hmm. it's um, quite difficult to get a read at the MCG, but there doesn't seem like there's much of an atmosphere. But at the at the Junction, there always seems to be a pretty good atmosphere, so... Um, yeah, the boys really enjoy playing
3: there. It's obviously
0: handy having a, having a first-class ground where you also train and, and do all your work at. So that makes it a uh, pretty enticing prospect. And, yeah, it's been a very good move for Victorian cricket. And, obviously, winning the Shield final there was pretty special last year. And there was a um, yeah, pretty good crowd in that day, which was awesome.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, this afternoon on Stumps. We wish you luck for the first Shield game and also for the summer ahead. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Go well, Will. Thanks, guys.
1: Will Pukowski there here on Stumps. Bryce McGain and Jordan Canellis returning after this. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. Great to have Will Pukowski on the program. You can podcast that throughout the week. Just keep an eye on our socials. Mike Yardy will join us next week. The New South Wales batting coach, it should be fantastic to have a chat with him coming down from England so we can get an idea of the difference between Australian batsmen and English batsmen, which I'm sure there's a great difference there, Bryce.
2: Well, he, he's been a legend of Sussex cricket and mm. uh, it's a great opportunity and probably a real coup for New South Wales to have someone of his experience. He's captained the club, he's coached at the club mm. uh, over there. Um, he's played for England in World Cups. So um, yeah, incredibly experienced and uh, he'll be sharing his experience with a young New South Wales group.
1: Big news throughout the week on the Big Bash front. We're still a couple of months away from that. Got to get through the tests and all that first, but a lot of hype already being built up, especially over the signing of A.B. De Villiers to the Brisbane Heat, which could be the the biggest signing that the Big Bash has ever had.
2: Absolutely. If anyone has followed A.B. De Villiers in the IPL particularly, uh, just the skill and the – he's unbelievable at T20 cricket. It's certainly – uh, if not the best, uh, certainly one of the, the, the top three uh, best batsmen of all time in uh, in T20 cricket. And uh, he's coming out to do the last half of the season uh, mm-hmm. with the Brisbane Heat. So a, a real opportunity for Brisbane to accelerate themselves into the finals with A.B. de Villiers on board. And I can assure you from first-hand experience, yeah. he whacks them. Don't worry <laughs> about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: he I uh, imagine if the Brisbane Heat were already in a good position by the time he arrives, they, they'd win the competition in a... In a canter.
2: Well, there's some real firepower, and I think he'll really enjoy playing up there, particularly the ball skidding on. It's a perfect wicket to be playing the way he does. He's got shots all around the ground, 360 degrees, and mm-hmm. um, enormous height. But uh, look, he uh, caught up with uh, the, the guys earlier in the week, and uh, this is what he was saying about uh, heading towards Brisbane Heat for the Big Bash.
3: Well, it's, um, it's one of the nicest tournaments around. I think I've been following it for quite a while. Um, watching some games over December time, holiday time in South Africa. Um, really got me excited seeing the vibe there, the atmosphere. The BBL and the whole just looks like a really well organised tournament with a lot of, um, lot of good cricketers around, good quality of cricket. And I, I must say, the Brisbane needs have always stood out to me. Um, firstly, the kit stood out. Um, it's quite different to other, other kits around uh, what they use uh, around the world. And then um, just Brisbane, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely city. I've been there a few times before traveling with the South African team. I love the I've loved the place. I love the weather. It's similar to Pretoria, where I come from. Following the the, the heat, so they play a so, the kind of brand that's sort of associated with the way I want to play. It's quite aggressive, go after, after the attacks. And um, I'm looking forward to go to the Gabba. That's, there's another reason for you. It's a beautiful cricket field. Um, I love playing cricket there. Good wicket and, and so always some good cricket.
2: A.B. de is there. And in the background, a few of his shots too. We could hear the, yeah. <laughs> the crack of his bat uh, from the highlights there. Yeah, so look, he's going to make a big impact to the to uh, well, to the Big Bash League. And wherever he yeah. goes, he's going to bring crowds. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Even if the away games, we're talking about the Gabba and what an advantage it would be for him to play up there. But where, whoever he is playing against later on, they'll want to go and watch him play.
1: It's it's a massive signing. It's probably something that the Big Bash needed. There was a bit of talk at the end of last season. Um, there was a few little criticisms about the Big Bash uh, League last year, about the duration of it, how, how it sort of dragged out a little bit. And then in that, Came in the, uh, the the foreign signing, the overseas signings, sort of all rolled into that discussion and how some of them maybe, they were good, they added a lot to the league, but to all respect to them, they're not the huge superstar names that you can get in other uh, 2020 competitions around the world. A lot of that comes down to money, but this one's a, a huge coup for the, for the big bash. Do you reckon it'll leading into
2: maybe some others? Yeah, look, most certainly. And I guess what it does, because there's a lot of cricket going on at the same time. So, uh, you know, looking at, uh, say, Sydney Thunder, Joss Butler will be with the England team. So England are playing South Africa at that time. So there's not going to be any internationals playing there. They'll be over in South Africa. So a lot of those mm-hmm. England players that have been over here, like Josh Butler, will be part of that. So it probably rules a, a lot of them out. Uh, so it's probably the, the second string or these retiring or later career type players yeah. that, that, are, that have the opportunity to come across. And of course it's salary capped as well. It's not quite the IPL where, yeah, no. and it's not quite <laughs> where you can have four overseas. There's only two available as well, but talking about Sydney Thunder, Alex Hales gets signed there, uh, to replace Josh Butler. Um, he's, uh, well, he's, he's played a lot of one day cricket for, for England and, uh, and T20 as well. Um, Interestingly, in April he had a a positive ban to cocaine, so he's actually serving a ban. Is that, yeah? Is that a surprise that he's been signed by Sydney Thunder for you, Jordan?
1: Um, yes and no. I think it it is that that uh, it does it is a surprise that they've jumped on straight away, mm. um, but maybe not in in the fact that he's you know by the time the Big Bash comes around he'll be a free man, a free agent so to yep. speak. So Sydney Thunder trying to capitalise on that, I guess, which is I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. Could be great business. Um, but look, by the time the Big Bash rolls around, he's served his time, right? So yeah. you can only you can only go by what the rules have have given him, what the ban has been given to him. So you know, once that's over, I guess he's a he's a cricketer to play cricket again.
2: Yeah, that's right. And look, he he's had uh, great success over in the IPL as well with uh, Mumbai mm. Indians. So look, he's an incredibly experienced player. But one of the great things about the Big Bash this year, um, we, we had the issues with the tie in the World Cup, the oh. final over, and of course. We, The only way to controversial. Well, the only way to decide a tie, of course, is by going who hit the most boundaries.
1: Yeah, exactly. Logically, right?
2: Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. Rather than playing (laughs) another over, uh, which we can actually find out who's going to win, that's what they did in the World Cup. Now, that was actually the rule here. Um, Thankfully, it never happened, and we had a tie. (laughs) But that was actually the rule in the Big Bash here. So they have fixed that up. So if that happens in the in the round games, it will be called a tie. Now that's cool. We share the points. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. But if it's uh, a tie in the final, what do you reckon might happen? Um, An extra ball or something? Well, we play another over. Now, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's like a penalty shootout. We. Play another over. It's a tie. We haven't got a winner. We'll go to another another over. So it'll be another super over. So I think that clarifies it a lot easier. So yeah. I think the big bash have uh, taken heed of uh, <laughs> what's happened there, and everyone's still scratching their head. We're waiting for the actual winner of the World Cup to to stand up, but we we don't have that. Um, but thankfully, the big bash it won't be an issue.
1: Yeah. So that's that's what should have happened from the start,
2: really. Oh, really?
1: How yeah. do you how do you come to the to the point of That form of tiebreaker, the
2: most boundaries. I mean... I don't know. Some boffin has done it. I don't know whether they're a cricketer. I don't think a cricketer's mind has done that. I think it's, oh, well, what's the quickest way we can do it? And maybe it had a bit of an issue. Maybe it was someone from broadcasting that went, well, it's got to finish at this time, a super over, well, we've got to cram that in really quickly. And and then, well, it's got to cut off at this particular time from broadcasting. Short-sighted Maybe that's where it comes from. And they go, we need a decision. Like, right, okay, who hit the most boundaries? That'll do um, maybe that's where it's come from. Having an, I don't ex- know exactly. having
1: an extra over would keep viewers on because of the tension and the drama though, Bryce.
2: That's right. But sometimes you've got to cut to the news and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you news. remember when that used to happen? Um, when, you know, obviously back in the day when, you know, the six o'clock news, yes. the, the last over would be missing and there'd be a, a wicket or whatever. You'd hear it on the radio and you go, oh, I want to see it anyway. It's back why in got, the day, we reminisce. That's
1: why we've got digital TV now and I know. Nine Gem and all those channels.
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, Bryce, will take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this and we'll do a bit of a wrap-up of what's been happening internationally. The uh, tests uh, gearing back up again after the uh, the mid-year break. Not really a break with the World Cup and everything else on, but we'll have a look and cast an eye to uh, the Sheffield Shield, which starts next weekend. This is Stumps. Bryce McGain on with you. Jordan Kanellis with him as well. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update
2: for everything cricket.
1: Wrapping things up on stumps today. Jordan Canellis, Bryce McGain with you. We look internationally. India taking on South Africa in the first test uh, to Fisak Patnam. India in the first innings uh, declared seven wickets for five hundred and two, 02, with uh, Agarwal and Rohit Sharma scoring beautifully. Agarwal, pardon me, 215. Rohit Sharma, <coughs> 176. Um, South Africa responded with uh, uh, 300 and, let me have a quick look. Well, 431. 431, it was. Yep. I beg your pardon. Dean Elgar made 160. And Quinton de Kock made one eleven. So got themselves back in, but uh, back on at the moment for day number four. And um, India looking to increase their lead uh, way beyond 100. Um, The women's uh, uh, ODI was done and dusted a few uh, hours ago now, Bryce. And uh, the Australians uh, getting the job done against
2: Sri Lanka, winning by 157. Yeah, dominant again. Rachel Haynes with 56, Meg Lanning 73, and Beth Mooney with 66. And uh, in Australia's score of 8 for 281 and uh Sri Lanka wrapped up very very quickly for 124 Uh, some terrific uh, and an even bowling performance but a great performance by Australia nonetheless and they're really dominating the Sri Lankans at the moment um, after clean sweeping the T20s just prior to that and
1: spreading the runs around as well which is nice Alyssa Healy just the 8s, Elise Perry just the 19 but today it was uh, Meg Lanning, Rachel Haynes and Beth Mooney who all made uh, great contributions.
2: That's right and I think uh, Sri Lanka would have been absolutely delighted to see the back of uh, Alyssa Healy (laughs) and then suddenly it's the rest of the crew that uh, Meg Lanning etc who who made the score. So look, uh, Australia doing terrific with the women's and, and of course the uh, Sheffield shield kicks off this <laughs> Thursday with all teams, uh, all six teams uh, will be playing there. Uh, Victoria will take on South Australia at the junction oval on uh, starting Thursday, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. new South Wales head up to Queensland uh, with Steve Smith and Dave Warner to join Mitchell Stark uh, heading up there. Queensland, of course, their star started with Uzuman Kawaja, Marnus Labashane and Michael Nessa, um, with Joe Burns and Matthew Renshaw so some terrific cricket going on. Yeah, that'll be
1: uh, that'll be a good match for um for the Australian prospects as well. There might be I mean it's the first one of of four uh, Sheffield Shield rounds before we get into the tests, but could be a good little um a good little uh, maybe yardstick for, for who might take an opening spot for the summer.
2: Absolutely. And that that's what we mentioned earlier in the show. It's wide open. So those batting spots certainly are wide open. W a take on Tasmania in Perth. Uh, Wade and Payne will go over for Tassie. Bancroft for WA. Jai Richardson back and firing for WA will be worth yeah, watching as well. That's good.
1: That's good for Australia too. I mean, there's, we've, we know we've got great bowling stocks, but he is one of the, the best young bowlers that we've got in the Sheffield Shield. So him coming back for WA is going to be a huge boost for them hopefully leads into something bigger for him in in his career.
2: Absolutely. And he's all pace. And uh, we we love seeing that, uh, the the firepower that he brings. Uh, Finally, Victoria, they've got a star-studded lineup there. Harris, Maxwell, Finch, Hanscom, Will Pekoski Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Travis Head comes uh, into the side, the South Australian skipper. Well, Mm -hmm. he doesn't come into the side for South Australia, but he got cut from the last Ashes test. So it'll be good to see how he bounces back from that obvious disappointment. Um, So there'll be lots of runs on store, no doubt at the Junction Oval, uh, which has been a very good batting wicket. Who would be the three fast bowlers you'd pick for Victoria very quickly? Oh, wow. They've got a depth (laughs) there. It's incredible. Um, Well, the the leading wicket takers last, (laughs) you said quickly, uh, Boland and and, and Tremaine are the leading wicket takers in the competition last year. But they do have Siddle available, Pattinson available. um, They've got a whole plethora of them. So, look, I I definitely the first one I would pick, um, definitely Pattinson.
1: Pleasure doing business with you today, Bryce. We'll catch up again every Saturday throughout the summer. It would be great doing that. Good on you, Jordan. This is Stumps. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. We'll be back again next week as we look towards the Sheffield Shields.